1: All right, we're here at the PP1 podcast, and uh, we're here with a very special guest, my main man from the Canuck Way, David Quadrelli. How's it going, man? Good, good. I'm very excited to be on here today. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. I'm, uh, I'm here with uh, my buddies Ryan and Ted. They'd like to say hi to you.
0: David, I, I've already asked this once, but we're going to ask this for the people. Are we going to call you David? Are we going to call you Quadrelli? Quads? DQ? What's your favorite blizzard? Uh that was actually Wyatt that started that, but uh, yeah, no, whatever you guys want,
2: I don't mind. One thing, uh, when I played baseball, they would call me the Blizzard, and that was because of the initial <laughs> DQ, that was like one person started that, so that was the thing, and that was also because I was pitching, and I... I said I would freeze people with my curveball, but that was actually my fastball. That's that's pretty deep though.
3: That's that's a pretty deep nickname at that point. So realistically, we're looking at a full name of something like <laughs> David Ice Quadrelli. <laughs> yeah, you really,
2: gotta, you really gotta read into it a lot to figure out the origins.
0: <laughs> you heard it here first, people.
1: Yeah, so um, I obviously gotta ask you uh, what a great honor it was for you to be uh, part of the Botchford Project. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the opportunity you had there
2: well I think it's a great thing that connects PR is doing in partnership with chat Bochford obviously um, I think it's a great way to honor Jason and it's just like yeah it was it was it was a huge honor just everything that transpired on that day and everything leading up to it just all the support I've got from everybody in the connects media like everybody was there and wanted to see me succeed so that was very uh, very humbling and it, it's to now have all those people in my
1: corner. Yeah, I gotta say, you know, as uh, one of the guys from the Kanagui, I'm I'm super proud of you, man, and uh, congrats. It's it's so cool to see. Yeah,
3: um, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, David, you, you talked a little bit about you know what it was like sort of on that day and and the support that you were getting, and you know, did you have like an inkling that you were going to be the guy, and and did you have a good feeling? And maybe if you don't mind, would you could you share with us a little bit what the process was like, how you how you went through it, what what it was like on that day, uh, you know how the phone call came down the pipe, all the things that sort of went through that process, almost like your draft day, so to speak. Can you can you give us a little bit of insight to how that went down?
2: Yeah, for sure. So in terms of whether or not I had an inkling that I would be selected, the answer is no. Um, obviously, I was hoping, but I also knew that there was like hundreds of people entering this thing. Um, and I knew there's a lot of talented writers in this market, there's a lot of up-and-coming talent in this, in Vancouver, and they all want a shot, and, um, you know, I was just one of those people, um, and, yeah, it was just, it was, I was lucky that my, um, my application stood out, but in terms of what happened on the day, um, yeah, I met, Thomas Drance in the morning, that was my second time meeting him, Uh, and then he had called me a week before, just to talk on the phone, congratulate me, and like, uh, help me storyboard the article I ended up doing for Canucks.com, we just uh, were talking about who I would talk to, what kind of quotes I would need, we were like planning out the rest of our day, because we ended up spending the whole day together, but uh, yeah, I met Drance, and then Ryan Beach was there too, Um, we walked in observed morning skate with Jeff Patterson um, and then it was there that I met like Dave Randorf, Louis DeBrusque um, Dan Murphy Brennan Batchelor. I had already met so Batch and I just kind of said hi to each other and talked or whatever um, but yes that was where I met most of the most of the people and it was a Hockey Night in Canada game so like I said like Louis DeBrusque Scott Oak, mm-hmm. Dave Randorf were all there um, so yeah and then after that we went into the locker room and the morning skate uh, availability was actually where i needed to get most of my quotes because you're not supposed to get uh um get quotes for a feature story during a, during the post game really those are yeah those are just supposed to be post game stuff so i didn't really have anything to do post game but we'll get into that later but uh yeah after morning skate talked to chris tanev uh Horvath, but it was pretty funny because uh Jack's PR was obviously super helpful, so they went up to Tanny and said, uh, "Hey, this is David. He's gonna he's gonna interview you for the Botchard Project in a few minutes." Um, so yeah, I met Chris Tanny, and he's like, "Yeah, just give me a few minutes." Like he was getting changed or whatever. So I was like, "Yeah, no worries." So I'm kind of standing there, and then as soon as he gets up, um, <laughs> Scott Oak um, and one other guy. I think it, I don't think it was Dave Randolph, I think it was Scott Oak and Louis uh, Louis Debrusque. Just like cut right in front of me. I don't think they knew that they did, but they just started talking to Chris Adam, and that went on for like five minutes. And Jeff Patterson comes up to me. He's like, "Well, there's your first memory. Uh, You got big timed by the Hockey Night in Canada guys." I was like, "Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. That was that was fun." So yeah, that was obviously they didn't need to do that, but yeah. Like like I said, I met Dave Randorf right after that, and uh, yeah, he was talking to me a bit. He's a super nice guy. Everyone was really nice, but yeah. And then I talked to Horvat. Got my quotes from him, uh, and then I went and worked in a cafe with drafts for the next four hours, and then we went back to Rogers Arena at like
0: five o'clock. That's crazy. Uh, this is Ryan. What a there. whirlwind! Thank yeah, after that, um, what would David? What would have been like the one kind of moment from that day that I mean, once you know that that you got selected and you're you're there and you've kind of got your itinerary of how your day's gonna go, what kind of moment or was there one moment for you that um was kind of just like uh like the blow your mind moment where you realize like this is this is what it could be like like something maybe not one of the interviews but just something that uh no maybe sure. maybe it was getting big time i don't know but uh like what was kind of the one one moment you're like this not necessarily stood out but just kind of one of those uh off the cuff kind of moments that
2: uh no remember. for sure you hit the nail on the head. It's for sure one of the most surreal moments of my life was walking up to press, well, not walking, it was an elevator, but going into press row, and then um, just we got there at like four thirty, five o'clock, so nobody was in the arena really. Everybody was eating, so there was no um, there was no one in press row, and Grant um, points like 10 seats over, and he's like, seat number 65, that's yours, is Jason's seat. So I was like, okay, cool, I'll get set up. So wow. I, I just walked over. To the seat, and I just kind of took it all in, and like I was alone there with my thoughts, and like you know the seat there says the Bosford Project on it, and I just kind of looked at it, and it was it was just a surreal moment to like look at it, and I sat down, and then I just kind of looked up at the at the rafters at Rogers Arena and everything because you're so high up, but I just looked at everything, took everything in, and I was like, wow, this is where the man himself, Jason Bosford, sat into the into the early stages of the morning and wrote the Pravies, the Athletes, what have you. Mm-hmm. But th- it was just a moment where I was like, wow, I'm sitting in this seat. I'm going to watch the game from here. I'm going to write a story and it's going to go on Canucks.com. All this stuff is happening in this seat.
0: That, yeah. was, that was definitely the big moment for me. Uh, just one follow-up to that. Um, did uh, did answer ask you for any gum?
2: No, actually. It was, <laughs> it was really funny because I offered him some too. But, <laughs> 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 um, but uh, no, no,
0: he didn't. He stocked up, obviously.
3: Was that yeah. the Was that the moment for you then, where you, where you kind of? I mean, obviously, you 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 find out you win. You find out you're headed to, you know, you you find out you're headed to meet the players. You're in the dressing room. You're in the thick of things. You're you're basically media at this point, and you're like, you know, I'm just envisioning that it's like I can't believe all of this amazing stuff is happening to me. But at what point, you know, was, was it that moment sitting in Bacha's seat where it was like this thing is bigger than me and it's and it, there's a lot more <coughs> going on here and and there's some very important people that are looking down on me in this spot. And, um, you know, was there a real emotional tie in for you in that? Did you get to talk to um, did, did you get to talk to some people that were, you know, a, a big part of the Bacha project and, and what their thoughts were on it? Oh, yeah. So I got to,
2: like, we had a dinner with Kat Bochford, um, Alfred Devera, who's the PR guy for The Crack, um, Jeff Patterson, Thomas Strantz, Wyatt, uh, Wyatt Arndt, and um, yeah, and we just we had a dinner with everybody from the Bochford Project, and, like, we all sat together. Patrick Johnson was there too. didn't mm-hmm. want to leave him out. But, uh, yeah, like, everybody was just there supporting me, and that actually wasn't my first time at Rogers Arena for a media event. I was actually there on the um, the opening media introductory press conferences at the start of the year, right before they left for Victoria. Okay. So that was my first taste of it, but at that time, I didn't really know many media members other than Jeff Patterson, who was my go-to, and then I met Harmon, because Harmon and I had just talked online or whatever, but... I kind of stuck with Harmon, and then, and that was the day I first met Drance, and yeah, that was my first day at Rogers Arena for for media stuff, um, and that was definitely a surreal moment, and that was definitely more frightening. This was a very, this second time was a very welcoming experience. Everybody wanted to see me succeed, so knowing mm-hmm. that, and it was really evident in the way everybody acted, even the players. Like, even for for example, like Travis Green walked up to me. Um, he kind of walked by us, and we all nodded at him or whatever, us being trapped in Ryan Beach. The, the, the uh, bro
3: nod. What's that? The bro nod kind of thing. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Green walks by, and he uh, he says to Ryan Beach, and he goes, uh, is this our guy? And he points at me, and he Green's with, like, a group of people, and then uh, Beach was like, yeah, that's him, and then uh, Travis introduced himself to me, and then uh, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, congrats on me congrats, and yeah, I was like, yeah, thanks a lot, and uh, he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, I hope you have a great, great time today, uh, don't ask me any zingers, though, and I was like, yeah, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> oh but, yeah, just like, for example, just him talking to me like that was just, it's such a small thing, but it, it goes such a
1: long way. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I want to ask you something, just a on a media kind of side of things, I know you've had some exposure with the hockey writers, I believe it was, on uh, in training camp, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, was there any sort of different feeling kind of going into this with the Botchford project as opposed to that, just with the exposure to the players and the whole situation itself?
2: Yeah, for sure. The, like, this time it was me getting guided along. Like, the first time when I walked in on the 13th of September, or whatever it was, the 12th, I don't know, um, when I walked in in September, uh, I didn't know how to get into the media room, so I was wandering around the arena for a bit. Um, and when I got in, nobody knew who I was. So yeah. I knew who all these guys were, but they had like maybe some of them followed me on Twitter. The first guy to recognize me, other than Jeff Patterson, was Daniel Wagner. Yeah. Um, and he's like, hey, I follow you on Twitter. I was like, oh my gosh, you recognize me. Let's be friends. So <laughs> I walked around a lot with him. <laughs> Exactly. So I walked around a lot with um, Daniel on that day and like Daniel's such a great guy. Um, but uh, this second day it was like there was twenty Daniel Wagners in the room is what it felt like. There was just everybody was so welcoming and everybody seemed like they wanted to wanted to help me out and mm-hmm. it is true, that's exactly how they were. They all did want to help me out. They all liked the initiative and
3: yeah, it was just definitely a very different very different than the first time I walked in. Were you surprised, like, that this community was going to be like that? I mean, we've tasted it a little bit, I think, talking to other people who work in podcasts and do this kind of media, and we were quite surprised at how helpful everybody was, but but were you shocked, or did you think that it was going to be a little bit cutthroat, or maybe you weren't sure? No,
2: I'm definitely a lot more surprised about how everyone is in the aftermath of it all. It wasn't a facade that was being put on, it wasn't anybody being like, okay, here's this thing, um, that Fair connect PR is making us do. It wasn't like that. It's just, like, afterward, for example, like, like, I'm still in contact with basically everybody from that day. Like, I now, like, talk to all these guys just on a semi-regular basis, and I, I know I can go to any of them for advice, and just having, having that is so helpful. And just, yeah, like, that was what most surprised me, was that they're, Still
3: to this day so there for me and just that that's like really helpful to have and maybe you can even use ryan for advice if you ever have to write a game day article oh i mean yeah guy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: i've
1: been doing it for long enough <laughs> yeah you're now uh, joining uh, canucks army which is cool to see uh, and you wrote a very interesting article the 77 <coughs> reasons to call up nick goldobin i really liked it and uh you know also with the 51 reasons uh, for troy stetcher not to be traded article. Those were uh, pretty creative, and uh, yeah, you did an awesome article too with the Botchford Project about Quinn Hughes. So now I'm just waiting for 43, 43 reasons of Quinn Hughes. <laughs>
0: like we only have yeah, ten I questions know. for you, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of keep it low <laughs> in this one.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I gotta milk out the um, the, the forty three reasons of Quinn Hughes. It's just. I, I just wish there would be more, more stuff for me to talk about with players with lower jersey numbers, like <laughs> some of JT Miller or something. Where's Luongo
1: when you need him, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay, David, something a little different. We noticed that you recently changed your Twitter profile picture and your Instagram photo. Can you give us a little <laughs> background on that little League, the little League blizzard guy hanging out there about to throw a fastball?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, that was actually two or three years ago. I was... Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but those were those were like my I T-ball in. days. <laughs> those were my T-ball days. And yeah, the profile picture actually came because uh, everyone jokes around with Harmon and I about how we were in preschool when everything, like, <laughs> like during 2013, Harmon and I were just kids. Um, but you know, we, we just you know everybody kind of everybody kind of jokes around about how young I am. and all that sort of stuff so I was like ah whatever I'll just change it to a photo of me when I was actually really really young and uh yeah it was it was pretty well received on twitter but yeah I thought it was time for a change that black and white uh only headshot I've ever had done of myself uh yeah was I was actually tired of it thought we needed a change
1: yeah good looking out
3: man we noticed Mm.
1: oh yeah for sure um I have another uh question here for you Uh, The Canuck Way is starting a podcast. I'm actually really excited about it as I'm looking forward to being on it this Sunday. Um, uh, How's that going uh, for the Canuck Way?
0: Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast on Cryer Media. If you're looking for a spot to advertise your company, your brand, your cheese wheel, some beer, maybe some donuts, this is The Spot. Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at Always Ninety Four, and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends, and how awesome does that sound? Yeah, really well so far to start. Um, like as you know, I've hosted the two episodes alongside Sean Warren
2: for the Butte. but um, we we've recorded the two episodes but before that we actually recorded like two trial episodes and then we recorded episode one and there were so many technical difficulties on the side of our parent company that we ended up not posting it and that was our episode one that was just down the drain so we did another episode one which was episode 1b um and that one actually made it to air and yeah it's just it's just been really fun so far and i've really enjoyed um trying the new medium because like I knew I could write and I liked writing but I never knew how I would do on a podcast or on a radio show or anything like that Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah so far I'm really liking it I'm actually going to the radio arts and entertainment program at BCIT in the hall so yeah so I'm gonna focus on the on the media side in that sense but yeah I'm just honestly I'm just trying to be as versatile as possible because that's what everyone's saying with the jobs being so scarce Mm -hmm. right now Knowing how to do everything is a good good thing to know. So I'm going to try that, and yeah, maybe getting some play-by-play as well.
3: The more you can do.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I don't know if you listen to Canucks Speak Easy, but I was able to win myself a ticket to the Burroughs game coming up. Uh, so I'll be driving oh, down there to catch really? the game. Yeah, and uh, it just so happens that BCIT is holding a, a information session uh, the day after. So I'll be checking that out myself. You just uh, said all sexy. it was was
0: pamphlets there. You just said it was like a room full of pamphlets. You're like, what do you want to know? We got information everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh really wow, that's awesome. To. Yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe we should talk a little bit about you know the current Canucks uh, situation. Uh, quite the game tonight, eight six loss. Uh, but there was quite an interesting stat that popped up. I noticed uh, Elias Pettersson is one of five current NHLers to score 30 points in his first two seasons before playing 30 games. The other four players are Crosby, Malkin, Ovechkin, and McDavid. That puts him (laughs) into some elite company. How how do you feel about that?
2: Well, it's just a testament to how good Pedersen is. I think it kind of goes under the radar because in this market we're so used to mediocrity I feel like
3: and
2: just having a having a player as good as Pedersen is, is something we've really never had at least like this generation I'm talking you know Pavel Bure obviously is as good if not better than Pedersen but having a player like this and just the way he's come up and had such an immediate impact it, it, like that stat that you just pulled out is really just a testament to how good he's been
1: yeah, he's definitely been fired, and uh, the Canucks are really, really, it's really great
3: they have him. What do you think about, I mean, obviously this, this kind of conversation is old hat, but what, what do you think it, Quinn Hughes' potential is? Do you think that he has the ability to be, you know, Pedersen's equal from the back end?
2: Yeah, uh, for sure. I actually think, like, like the basis of the article I actually did for Canucks.com was um, Quinn Hughes having a similar impact to the Canucks that Pedersen had last year. Um you look at his points right now. I think he's at twenty-one through twenty-five. Those are mm-hmm. those numbers are good enough to win the Calder Trophy any day of the or any any year are good enough to win the Calder, especially as a defenseman. It's just this year he's gotten so unlucky that he's up against Kyle McCarr, who's even better than he was, I'd say Kyle McCarr is unbelievable. Like I I watched that guy live. I've watched him a few times, and he amazes me every time I watch him play. Um, I do think he's on another level than Hughes. But mm-hmm. Hughes is making this conversation interesting. Um, but yeah, in terms of his, his isolated impact on the team, I think it's very, very similar to the one Patterson had last year.
1: Yeah, I think we we got to re- also remember that I believe Kale McCarr is a year older than Quinn Hughes. Yes, yeah. yeah. And um, Quinn Hughes, actually, another stat I saw uh, off the top of my head, I think it's either first of NHL rookies, for defensemen, or maybe it's just Canucks rookies, he's the only guy to have three assists in three games as a rookie. Pretty impressive.
2: Oh, wow, well, yeah, I didn't even know that, that. The stat that caught my eye, that actually made the article, was he's first among all NHL defensemen in zone in offensive zone possession. That yes. is an unbelievable stat to be first in amongst all NHL defensemen, not even just Canucks defensemen. i you know that's a pretty new stat, so you can't really look up the last time the Canucks the Canucks had a defenseman doing that. But I'm pretty, I think it's pretty safe to say that Quinn Hughes, with that stat alone, is very, very impressive in what he's been
0: able to do. Even to add to that, too, um, obviously our our namesake of our podcast uh, speaks about it, but like he's the number one defenseman in the NHL on the power play with points. I mean, and thirteen points. Thir- thirteen is pretty impressive this close to the beginning of the season anyway and I mean the only guys ahead of him uh, you might have heard of them McDavid, Pedersen, Pasternak and Dreisaitl so I mean he's the first defenseman after those guys and then you, you know you get down to Torrey Krug and Marchand and I mean John Carlson I don't know where's where's McCarr? Makar is a little bit down there but I mean if that's the first guy that's coming up there he might not be winning the Calder but, I mean he's definitely uh, he's making waves in the NHL and at some point I think uh, we're all going to have well, the rest of the NHL is going to have to realize that uh, Quinn Hughes is kind of like when Brock Besser came out. Like You're going to have to start giving him
1: credit at some point. I
2: want to,
1: yeah, go ahead. Sorry there, quads. Okay, I just did want to add to that a little bit. So that is an impressive
2: stat. And you said he may not win the Calder, but he's definitely going to be the runner-up. Oh, and easily. if everything just holds up to how it is right now, it's, he's definitely going to be the runner-up. And now you obviously don't want to see anybody get injured, but I'd like to remind everybody that Matt Barzell was looking like he was going to be the runner-up in the year that he actually won it, but then Besser got hurt near the end of the year. So you obviously don't want to see anybody get hurt, but you can't really disqualify someone from winning the Calder up until you know the month of March, really, because mm-hmm. anything can happen. But you know, like I said, you never want to see any player, especially a young defenseman as good as Makar, or, or Hughes, bullpenmer. get hurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want to see anybody get hurt. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think, honestly, if anybody's anybody's award at this point. Hughes is just unbelievable. <laughs> sure.
1: Alright, well, i got to ask you this question. You know, uh, Pedersen was great last year. Hughes is great this year. Um, but if it comes down to it, do you think Quinn Hughes can actually beat Elias Pedersen's rookie scoring record?
2: Oh, that's tough. You know what? That's actually a really good question. And wouldn't it be something if he did eh? That would be incredible to be doing that as a defenseman. I wonder. I, I, I begin to wonder if the conversation changes to um, changes to okay, who's going to be that guy that can come in and play with Quinn Hughes? Because now the Canucks have their number one defenseman, mm-hmm. but they have to build around the back end around him. So I just find that interesting because, yeah, especially if he puts up points like that, that would be incredible. I don't think he'll do it. He's quite close on right pace now, right now. Here. Oh, for sure. Yeah, exactly. It's just he's, he's, he's on pace right now. I just worry that, um, like when you guys said, was if, uh, if the league starts to take notice. But then with that, I think if people do take notice, it's going to open up more space for Pedersen and, and Besser because I think you can only, yeah. you only maintain –
3: or contain, sorry, uh, only contain so many good players, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I almost feel like he's got that Duncan Keith vibe to him, right, where you feel like you want to put extra pressure on him, but he's just so elusive back there, and he's so good at breaking pucks out. Like, I don't know um, if if you felt like you wanted to key in or target on a guy like that. I don't know if it benefits you in any way, right? So,
0: um, yeah, really, really good points there. I really like that one. He he's on pace. I was just gonna do some quick numbers here. If he were to play seventy five games <clears> this season and he continues at this clip, he's gonna score sixty three points.
2: Yeah, like, I'd love I to do that.
3: yeah. And that's, that's
0: like that's nuts. That really is.
3: I think you know, we're we're obviously talking a lot about his offensive skills, but I think there that there probably isn't even enough attention still, even though a, a great deal is being paid to it, just how good of a play driver he is and how good that allows him to be defensively. Do you want to just talk about some of the things that he does defensively that you really like?
2: Oh, for sure, yeah. So that was that was something that I found interesting because, you know, like like you guys obviously read, I talked to Chris Tanev about his partner Hughes, and I, I asked him, I was like, do you think part of what made you guys such a good pairing is Quinn's offensive ability with your defensive abilities? And Tanev kind of was like, yeah, but then he took the time to say, um, you know, I think, I think Quinn's a very good defender. He's one of the best defenders I've seen, and I don't think he's given enough credit for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tanev was like, he's very good defensively, and he's really not given enough credit for it. And, uh, yeah, you look at it, it's just his points may have not been where they were in the first 10 games. He was putting up a lot more points than he was afterward. But his defensive abilities and his trust that he was getting from Coach Green was through the roof, like he was he was facing tough, tough matchups yeah. and for a young defenseman to be trusted by his coach to do that, it just speaks volumes to his defensive game as well.
3: Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, I don't know if you agree, but I think he's he's really allowed Tanev to be a bit of a renaissance this season and has been really nice to watch just for the tough, you know, couple of seasons that he's had.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, there was a time last year people were talking about creating Chris Tanev for a fifth-round pick. Um, And it's just that—that's
0: not the conversation this year. It's how can we, how can we succeed? Okay, Chris Tanneff helps us
3: succeed. We could get a third (laughs) name. David, who—who in your mind on this roster has kind of flown under the radar a little bit? Who have you been paying attention to that you didn't think was going to be a factor, or was more of a factor than you thought they were going to be? And his game has kind of come along. To the point where it was like, Yeah, I, I really like what's happening here with this player, and, and I'm you know excited about good things to come. Who's, who's been that player that's sort of been under the radar for you?
2: Well, I think JT Miller is the easy answer because I, I was very excited when the CACs went out and got him. I thought he was going to be a great addition to the team, I just didn't think he would be leading the team in goals at the end of November. Um, That's very I, I was, I'm very surprised at how well he's played and how much of a catalyst he's been on the Elias Pettersson-Brock Besser line um, he's been outstanding at both ends of the ice he's killing penalties when the Canucks are losing two of their biggest penalty killers right now and just the versatility he brings and everything that he's brought to the team so far I think that was something nobody was really talking about and he's definitely exceeded expectations
3: um, okay, I got one more for you because that, you answered that one pretty beautifully, I didn't. I thought it was going to be tougher for you than that but you had that one ready to go <laughs> it feels like. So I'll give you one more what I feel like is like a, a question that everybody is asking right now. You're the GM of the Canucks, how do you handle the goaltending situation come the next year and a half down the road when it's clear that we're going to have to make some big decisions with what we have going on in that right now and that's a really good thing?
2: It's funny you ask me that because I was just thinking about this today. Jim went on 6.50 and was talking to Santhier Shaw and Andrew Walker about the goaltending situation and what he sees and he said that Jacob Markstrom is a great leader in the room said all the right things about Markstrom and then he added that he wants to have Markstrom here long term and he wants him to continue to mentor Demko they also, he also said that he didn't want to throw Demko in too soon into the starters role so with that Markstrom being an unrestricted free agent at the season's end I think there's a couple things you can do the first option is to do what Columbus did with Sergei Bobrovsky, and that is to keep your goaltender, know he's going to walk. But I think there's more interest, much more interest. There's interest from both sides to get an extension done and keep Markstrom in Vancouver. So I think the course of action then needs to be get a deal done to whatever, whatever both sides can agree on, mm-hmm. make sure there's no, uh, mo- no movement clauses in the deal come expansion time, and you protect Demko. Seattle wants to take Markstrom with that contract, then they can. But you protect the young goaltender who will be 25 at the time, and Markstrom will be 30 uh, or 31 by the time of the expansion draft. And you allow the you allow um, Seattle to take on that contract, which will most likely be a four or five year deal. And they take that off your books for you if they want to. There's a good chance you get to
0: keep both goaltenders if you do it that way. So if I if I was the GM, that's. That would be what I would do. And they're, they're going to have to fill cap space, too, at that point. As a expansion team, they're going to need to make sure that uh, they're hitting at least the floor. And then, uh, I mean, obviously, whatever kind of contract they're going to give them, and we'd assume it's not going to be two years. So there's going to be a few dollars attached to that. I think uh, that would be in their best interest, potentially.
3: Yeah, I guess that almost goes down the same scenario that Pittsburgh went through with Fleury and Murray. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's proven to work.
1: I don't know, though, if I want to give up Markstrom for nothing. I think he he's worth something, and that piece could be you know help us in the Stanley Cup run.
0: Potentially. Mm-hmm. Potentially. I got one more yeah. question for you. We'll we're, we'll cut you loose. You've been a, a great guest. <laughs> um, we're n- we're not all uh, we're not all serious talk on the PP one <laughs> podcast. Um, but serious question. This is my final question, and I want I want a good answer on this. <laughs> You're in the World Dodgeball Championships, and you've got. Two people left to get out. Canucks Army and the Canuck Way. Who do you throw your ball at to try to get the win? Can they catch the ball? No, well, <laughs> yeah, sure, they can catch the ball. We're going to assume that you hit them, because I don't know what the hell going on with Ryan's question here. Who, 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 who are you taking out? Which, which, which is your target? To,
2: to, like, which one would I throw
0: you throwing at first? ball at? Yeah, who are you throwing at first? Mm.
2: Ah, huh, you know what? I would have to disconnect to Army because it's the new employer. I'd have to I'd have to, I'd have to cut my ties
0: early. I, I'm gonna have to post I, this early on the Slack. There, I think. So. Yeah,
2: I don't know how much they'd appreciate me throwing dodgeballs at them, but yeah, that might have to
0: be the one. The, the strong survive, I suppose.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, considering you you know you run the Canuck way, I think uh, you'd be all right. Uh, Your job would be safe. You got, got a good fallback option. Yeah, that would that
2: would be the reason. It's just you know I've kind of. Everything we've accomplished at the Canuck Way and just how far the site's come and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I feel like the Canuck Way is kind of like my baby. You know what? i got to protect it. I can't be throwing balls at it.
3: That's true. So that's just knowing where you came from, boys. That's all that is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Ted, Ted here is uh, quite the uh, dodgeball... Thrower champion, whatever you want to call him, himself here. Uh, aren't you in a league, Ted?
3: Yeah, like I'm in some kind of dodgeball league, but I don't know about it being a thrower champion guy. <laughs> 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 okay, David, I think you've been a great uh, you've been a great guest. Got some colorful takes. We appreciate you putting up with us. Um, you know, a little bit of off candid stuff, getting in a little little bit of personal stuff, but. Now's your time. I want you to spend the next little bit here talking about what you got going on, what's going on with Canuck Army, what's going on with Canuck Way, what's going on with David Quadrelli. Uh, and give us a scoop. Shameless plug. Here we go, man. Hit it. It's you.
2: Yeah, so Canuck's Army just dropped the seventy seven reasons that Canucks started as what they should call up Goldoven. Seventy seven reasons they should call up Goldie. But uh had to get changed because when we submitted it the morning after we submitted it at midnight um, (laughs) he got called up so i immediately texted chris faber who i co-wrote the article with and uh we were just like oh i was panicking he was a lot calmer than i was but i was like fuck what do we do now oh sorry i don't know if i can swear or not i'm sorry
1: Um, but I, I was like I was like what are we gonna do now like what, what are we supposed to do and yeah he was just like oh just change the
2: title and I was like oh okay that's so that's amazing. what we ended up doing um, And yeah that, that was the latest thing I've got going on at connects connects Army. I'm actually working on something right now that I'm, it's gonna go up on Friday I believe it'll go up and I don't want to give too many like hints toward what it is okay. but it's something Ooh. something a little a little more on the controversial side because I'm not really a negative kind of person with what I write about, but there's just something I noticed um, that a member of the Canucks management said um, mm. that, that, that I believe to be pretty false. So I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do a little deep dive on that. So you'll you'll have to wait for that. But yeah, nice. that should be coming out on Friday. I'm just it's just in the works right now.
0: The 57 reasons Tyler Myers is not good. Oh boy. <laughs>
2: oh, oh my gosh, that'd be that'd be
1: that'd be a hit. <laughs> Maybe uh, Ryan can take that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> David,
0: uh, David, where
3: can the where can you tell our tens of dozens of listeners where to find you? Uh yeah, on Twitter uh,
2: at Quadrelli is just my name. Um, the first. L is an uppercase I, because the actual name with double L is Taken, Uh, by someone who hasn't even used their account since 2013, but um, yeah, that's where you find me on Twitter, Uh, and then my writings are on Canuck Way and Canucks Army.
3: Beautiful.
1: Awesome, Quads. Well, we really appreciate having you here, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you for having me. Thanks, man. Take care, man. Looking forward to uh, chatting with you Sunday. All right. For sure. Take it easy, guys. See ya. See you later.